Trying to put together a picture of my father's life has always felt like trying to put together a 500-piece puzzle when you don't realize that 100 pieces are missing. Really effing annoying. (laughs) So naturally, I would always assume that all of my traits and tendencies came from my mom or other family members and friends. I was so convinced that because my mom and I had the same nose, for instance, we looked identical. But... As we know from the first episode, I was completely wrong about that. I mean, you've seen pictures of him, right? I feel like Dylan looks more like that. I think you look more. I think you do. Really? Yeah, I do. Interesting. Yeah, I do. I feel like I look like mom. No, I don't see see you looking like mom at all. The first time I remember looking up my father on the internet was in 2010, when I was a sophomore in high school, or maybe I was a junior. It's not clear why I was doing this now or for how long I had thought about doing it, but I just couldn't shake that feeling that I needed to do it that night. So I opened his page and started digging. But as I looked through it, there was something off about it. His profile picture was of him and some other woman. And according to his profile, they had been married since 1986. Last time I checked, I was born in 94 and my little brother in 96. They had three sons, and each of them looked older than me. The youngest was a few years ahead of me in high school. I shook it off as nothing. It had to be nothing. Turns out, it wasn't nothing. Hi, I'm Sam Sabin, and this is Good Grief, a show about reconnecting with the past and my attempts to make up for lost time. If this is your first time tuning in, stop. Like, please stop this right now. It's start at episode one. It's really important. This is episode two, Family Trees. Like most people who come to Akwesasne, whether as a regular tourist or a person casually tracking down their family history. So, you know, like me. I stopped at the Akwesasne Cultural Center's museum when I made it to the reservation. Hello. Let me know if you have any questions or anything. Okay, we'll be Okay. <laughs> the music you're hearing is from a display about traditional Mohawk music. As I walked through the displays that spoke to the Mohawk's creation story, the fact that they started lacrosse and other cultural trends, I was trying to be covert. I would just whisper the descriptions to myself and skulk around, looking at the displays scattered around the basement of the cultural center. Clans are one of the oldest aspects of our culture and continue important in as part of our identity. Traditional people and names are given according to clan and decisions are made by meetings organized by clan. The minute I arrived in Akwesasne, I felt uncomfortable and anxious, as if I might say the wrong thing at the wrong time to upset someone, or just come off as an ignorant white person who felt entitled to my native heritage. And it didn't help that going into this, I knew that some native people used the slang quarter turkey to describe someone like me, who was only one-fourth native. So of course that uneasiness carried me through this trip. When I got to Aquasesne, I wasn't able to get out of bed for a few days. I hid under the covers in the Super 8 motel 
in a small New York town and watched Pretty Little Liars all day long. On my first day, the only thing I did was go to Walmart, buy some food, and drive through the reservation just so I could make sure I was in the right place. Any energy I did have went straight towards driving or eating or both. One welcome sign to Aquasesne is the only indicator that you're there. I almost missed it as I drove through because I was too mesmerized by the fact that the bridge to Canada, the literal bridge to Canada, was a mere mile from that sign and the US Border Patrol vehicles were parked everywhere. Driving through the main strip of Aquasesne, off the two-lane highway, only a few smoke shops, gas stations, and churches can be seen. I wouldn't notice the pockets of neighborhoods tucked behind this stretch of highway until later on. On my second full day, I told myself that if I actually went by the tribal administration building to verify that my father was actually a member, I would let myself order a whole large pizza from Pizza Hut. I kept passing by it, and it had a drive through window. So I got in the car, and I went, because I really wanted to know what it would be like to pick up a large pizza through a drive through window. <laughs> and also, because I just couldn't get my grandma out of my head. You might remember from the first episode, the conversation we had over lunch right before I left. But how do you know what, it's, what was said in the obituary? How do you know if that's true? Mm -hmm. It says he's a member. Two days and 20 hours of driving later, and she was still there in my head, and I still didn't have an answer, but the tribal building would. I don't like to show up to a place unannounced. So I emailed the St. Regis Mohawk Tribe's communications department earlier that day to see if they could tell me if my father was actually enrolled in the tribe, if they had any suggestions for places I should visit. That's how I met Amy Benedict, who works in the communications office. She said I should stop by and pick up a few materials so I can learn more about the tribal community. And she forwarded my email to the tribal clerk's office, who handles all membership records. Amy took me downstairs to go see whoever might be in the tribal clerk's office that day, just to see if someone had gotten my email verifying his membership. But it was almost 5 p.m., so I wasn't sure if someone would actually be there. So the tribal clerk's office is right downstairs, and okay. I don't know if they contacted you back They yet. haven't. They okay, haven't. yeah. Well, let's go downstairs. Yeah. But that's where we met Summer. Hello, Summer. Hi. Um, well, your father's name? Oh, Robert Sabin. Robert Sabin, mm -hmm. S-A-B-I-N. Mm -hmm. Can you just run a quick search and so she knows where to fill out a research form? I forwarded her email to you. And things kind of went fast from there. Are you looking to get enrolled? 
Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I think I'm just looking to learn more about him, um, about my dad, and see, yeah, if he's enrolled and everything. Yes. I don't have it on me, but I have it with my stuff, so I could come back with it. Summer and I decided to meet that Friday morning, two days later, to rummage through anything they might have on my father. As Amy walked me outside, she was telling me that we had hit the jackpot. If my father wasn't listed in there, they would have just said, sorry, bye. It was easy for me to think, this is it. This is what I came here for, and it's finally happening. But driving back to the motel... I just found that I had a lot of conflicting feelings. Try again later. So now I I might be enrolling. I might be a member of this trust. Ah! Um, I'm like really overwhelmed right now. Um, but I I just I have a lot of feelings about being a member. Um, raises like this white human, and now I have like all this say in like how this like native community runs itself. Like that I like maybe I'm overthinking it. Um, but it feels really weird to do that. Now, let um, me explain where my anxieties are coming from. I'm only a mere quarter native. For some people, that's considerable. But most of those people who think that aren't native. They aren't the people who have battled with the federal government or state or local governments for years on end over their sovereignty and many other issues. As I'm writing this episode, the protests over the Dakota Access Pipeline are oh so present, and I'm only hearing about it through my liberal friends' Facebook feeds, not through people who are in the community. And that's because I'm not tuned into that community. All in all, I am white, or at least I grew up white. So why do I deserve membership? At school the day after I scoured through my father's Facebook page, I tried talking to my friends about what I had found. His page listed a wedding anniversary that was eight years before my birth. He had photos of three sons who were all older than me. And naturally, because all of my friends were 15, 16 years old, no one really knew how to respond to my problem other than to agree with my theories. I don't know, I'm sure he was like separated from his wife or something, that's how it happened. Maybe he divorced her, then dated my mom, and then remarried his wife. She probably just got the date wrong on Facebook. You know how people are on Facebook. It would always end with people telling me to calm down. I'm sure it's fine, Sam. Don't worry about it. Your mom is only going to get upset. What are you even going to do about it? I guess nothing. I would tell them. How does a 15-year-old navigate that anyway? So years go by, and I don't reach out or ask any questions. I just let my mind drift. Before I went back on Friday to talk with Summer about what was in the file, I wanted to learn more about the community. I wanted to know what it would mean to be enrolled, to be officially a part of the tribal community. 
So I scheduled an interview with someone at the Aquasesne Cultural Center and confronted my anxieties head on. So what's his family name? Um, his last name is Saban, but I don't, all I got yesterday was that he was actually enrolled and then I think I'm going back tomorrow to go through like the rest of his, oh, yeah, to like, paper. Related to yeah, yeah, so I don't know any of that, um, That'd be close to get to meet relatives, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> this is Sue Ellen Hearn. She's the museum's director and I spent a few hours talking with her in the back room of the museum about all of the people who, like me, stumble through the center to learn more about a long-lost family history. How often are you, often do you see, like, people like me who are just curious and just... Pretty pop, often. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty often. And and it is a lot of times people who, for whatever reason, they, they're not their generation, but, like, their grandparents or parents or great-grandparents, <laughs> somewhere's in their family line, somebody's had to move, and then they still feel drawn back like they want to know more my mom and i always knew my little brother and i were a quarter native but we never knew which tribe our family stemmed from until we read my biological father's obituary so for years i'd fantasized about what it would be like to answer that question what are you anyway with an actual tribal affiliation rather than simply native but I never expected to feel so anxious about trying to simply learn more about the community once I knew about it. So Sue Ellen's words and stories were hella comforting. And that's what I noticed working here is that it's like a steady stream of people like that. And some really sticking out in my mind, like this one man came and pretty sure it was his family, but he came with his wife and kids. And they lived kind of near Onondaga, and so they had made friends with people at Onondaga. All right, let me break real fast and just let you know that Onondaga is an Indian nation south of Syracuse that is a member of the Iroquois Confederacy, which the Mohawk are also a part of. It's about three to four hours south of Makwisesne, the land where the St. Regis Mohawk tribe lives. So... That's, that felt part of, like, what they were wanting because they, you know, they were near a community and made connections. But it was actually here is where, I guess, their family had originated and then, like, left from. And he said, and he, I think he was still guessing, though, because he said he had an aunt who knew everything, knew names or whatever, knew all these details, and he said she won't tell. Wow. She won't tell. And it was really, like, it really, really bothered him. And he wanted to know, like, he really had this need. And he was being denied that by his own family because they had made a decision to leave. And I know for a fact there's a lot of people did this. Like, they made a decision to leave. And they just wanted to pass as something else. They didn't want to be Native anymore. And sometimes it was, you know, because they couldn't stand that, like the racism and, you know, injustices that happened. And um, it was just too much for them, you know, and they were looking out for their next generation, right? They wanted them to have a better life and stuff. Like they really were upset over that. This is just one of the many stories Sue Ellen told me about. 
Stories of families who picked up and left because they wanted a better life for their children. And they felt their communities couldn't provide that anymore. And now all of these people are coming back to learn more about the familial ties they have. Sounds familiar. Driving back to the tribal building Friday, I was silent. I didn't record myself going into the building or driving there. I was too overwhelmed to even remember to press record. My recorder just sat in the passenger seat on standby. So what I can provide you with is the family tree. Okay. The family tree had the names of Mohawk relatives dating back to the 1700s. They included first and last names, Mohawk names, so the names given to people in the Mohawk language, and even birth and death dates. Some of them this. even had the dates they got married. Oh, well. <laughs> must be, David must be a brother to Anna. Oh, okay, okay. So, because see, then you got Josephine. It's like right. backwards. Yeah. So you got Josephine, and then you got, and there's, you know, there's some spelling different name. Yeah. Jake, Jack. Okay. Cecilia. But what was unsettling was just how many of them did have death dates listed. It was pretty much all of them. Is that yeah, this good? is this is great. Okay. Oh wow. You know what? Sherlock born in 1961. Wow. Yeah, pretty far. Oh wow. Oh my god, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, this is amazing. But what I think I was most proud of and what caught me off guard was just how quickly I responded when Summer asked again if I wanted to be an enrolled member of the tribe. It was pretty quick. Okay. Uh, Did you want an enrollment application? Yes, yeah. You you appear to be eligible. Yeah. So just be the front and the back. It's a $20 processing fee. Okay. I ended up filling out the form, paying the $20 fee to process everything, and was told I would hear back in six to eight weeks. When I left the tribal building, I didn't really know how to process anything. What had I just done? Was this the right thing to do? What should I do with the information I have now? On my way back to the motel, I texted my mom, and she suggested I try to find my father's sister who was the biological daughter of his adopted parents. Her name was Pamela. Maybe I could find Pamela, my mom suggested. Maybe she would answer a few of my questions. That night, I sat down and put my investigative journalism skills to the test. And clearly, it didn't take me very long to track her down. I'm on her website. (laughs) Um, It's so outdated, as you can hear from this music. Learning to act in a wonderful, supportive atmosphere. Acting and public speaking training. Private acting classes in small groups. Oh my god, Pamela, calm down. She's a little weird. Okay, um, I found her email address. That's right, I found her email address. And just started writing an email to her. Hi, Pamela. This might be a weird email. 
for you to be getting. But my name is Sam. If you are the same Pamela or maybe if I say, I don't know, it feels really flippant to say something along the lines of like, hi, I just have a few questions. I just need you to tell me if you know how he was adopted. Um, or anything about that or if you can help me get in contact with other family members. I'm currently visiting the Mohawk Reservation. I'm currently in upstate New York. I may not include where I'm at now that I'm thinking about because this really could be the wrong Pam even though I'm about 90% sure I had the right one. Chat via email if you would like. Um, oh god how do I what do I put as a subject? Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh god. I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to meet her. I don't want to write that. Um, oh, this feels really formal. Thanks so much. Okay, let's read this one more time. Hi, Pamela. My name is Sam, and I found your name while I was doing some research this summer into my father's ancestry. I believe you might be After my father's death in January 2015, I watched his Facebook feed filled with condolences and memories. I flipped through his page, his wife's page, and the profiles of his three sons, all the same, all filled with condolences. I watched the video they would post from memorial services and the link to their GoFundMe campaign for funeral costs being shared. Then I'd flip to my own profile. It was empty. I wasn't getting the same sort of condolences and support. I'm not even listed in the obituary. Unlike the rest of the family tree, my grief and the journey to deal with it was a secret. I wasn't even listed in his obituary. His five dogs were, but my little brother and I were nowhere to be found. They couldn't even publicly acknowledge that I was his daughter. So why would I be allowed to publicly acknowledge that I was grieving too? Especially when I was never in his family to begin with. Good Grief is an independent production by me, Sam Steven. Editing help for this episode comes from Lydia Thompson and Rachel Wolf. Theme music by Indian Wells. Other music in this episode by Poddington Bear and Lee Rosevere. This podcast is funded partially by the UNC Creative Writing Program and the Bulge family. Special thanks to my family for letting me record them and my friends for putting up with my anxieties and being the greatest editors. Also special thanks to the DC Public Library Studio Lab for letting me record here. On the next episode... Sam, this is Carol. Carol Ross. I have been in the parking lot here at Walmart in Malone because I lost my car keys. I'm sitting in the hot car, um, waiting for someone to turn in the keys. I start getting comfortable in Uncle Sesney and my native identity. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. Like, literally the button's right there. Just hit it right now. It's gonna take two seconds. You can find Good Grief on iTunes and wherever else you listen to podcasts. You can also find this podcast and more episode extras at goodgriefpodcast.com. Be sure to like the show on Facebook and follow it on Twitter. Just search Good Grief Podcast. I promise it will come up.
Thanks for listening.